0: Normally, we would open this up and say it's the Bearded CarCast, but I think this should be the Pieced and Burger Podcast, episode 13, Bearded CarCast, season 5. This is our final four, our uh, fourth annual, right? Oh, sure. Fourth annual, final four extravaganza. We are taping this uh, a little over an hour after, unfortunately, the carriage arrived in Chicago and picked up St. Peter's and took St. <laughs> Peter's home from the ball and... You know, you and I have been on the um, on St. Peter's end of this a bunch where teams doing good, firing on all cylinders, and then you just run up against a a powerhouse. Uh, you know, it's, it's happened to us a couple times in the NCAA tournament. We've seen it in some non-conference games that Winthrop has played in. Doesn't take away from the shine. You know, and when I was thinking about this, um, when we talked about doing the podcast today. This tournament really has had, I think, a little bit of everything for everybody. I mean, you had the major upsets. You had some really good games. Um, you know, maybe for some of the uh, the the purists or, or or kind of the people that are maybe more power five centric. Now you got the blue bloods in the final
1: four. I think Saint Peter's is the greatest college sports story of our lifetime. Wow. I I, I can never imagine a team that has been regarded so little mm-hmm. achieving. So much. I mean, th- this is a team that is consistently in the 200s in Ken Palm. A few years ago, they were in the 300s in Ken Palm. When Wichita State or Virginia Commonwealth or George Mason go to the Final Four, those are mid-major teams. Those are programs that sometimes charter. Those are programs that stay at pretty nice hotels and have good recruiting budgets and have facilities that attract lots of people. It's not high-major basketball. It's not big-budget basketball, yeah. but it's, it's right in that middle range. Conferences that sometimes get multiple bids. The St. Peter's basketball program on a year-in, year-out basis is not as good as the Winthrop basketball program. In fact, it's not anywhere remotely close. Winthrop and St. Peter's play neutral site any time in the last 15 years, and I would tell you that Winthrop should win the game and probably win the game somewhat convincingly. 6, mm. 8, 10, 12, yeah. 15 points. What we just saw was... Fill-in-the-blank Big South team. Radford going to the Elite Eight. Mm. Gardner-Webb going to the Elite Eight. Teams that do not have great facilities, that are understaffed and undermanned players that are not Really, really, really highly recruited. And, oh, by the way, they beat Kentucky in overtime. And, sure, one team can overlook you. You can throw a haymaker and beat someone on any given day. And then you come back and beat Murray State, who was, what, like 30-2 and this year? And, and, And you beat them. Okay, fine. It's an amazing weekend. You beat these two really good programs. You go back to, to Jersey City, and everyone tells you how great you are. And now Purdue, a Big yeah. Ten program with a Big Ten budget and Power 5 players. They have a week to prepare. They've got seven-footers all over the place. Oh, you beat them, too. You you beat them, too. And Nicole, my wife, had a friend over today, um, and she went to move her car uh, in between the two basketball games because you can only park for a couple of hours in one spot around here. And she left right before tip-off of North Carolina (laughs) and St. Peter's. She (laughs) got back at the first media timeout, and she said, "And," and I said, the game's over. Yeah. I mean it, it was seven nothing and it was so abundantly clear that that the contest w- was done and it is sad and it is okay and I don't think there's ever been a better college sports story than that. I, I, I mean this is what makes the NCAA tournament bonkers. Winthrop, and Cal State Fullerton, and every little guy there is can close their eyes and dream, and it's not a crazy dream because we just saw it happen. Oral Roberts, as a 15 seed, won a game last year, and George Mason went to the Final Four, and yada, yada, yada. And the closest thing we have to Cinderella in college football is Cincinnati, and that's pretty big-budget, pretty close to power five sports and professional sports which are wonderful and sometimes we see enormous surprises i mean everybody except for baseball has a salary cap so people are largely spending roughly the same i think it's super cool that small market milwaukee won the nba title but They have one of the best players in the world. They have a brand new arena and they spend plenty of money. So it's not quite the same. I I just, I just think it's the coolest thing of all time. And, And, you know, it, it's too bad it ended today, but man, for, for, For college basketball at the beginning of the year, for 350 teams to dream the dream Mm -hmm. and all of the alumni and all of the fans and all of the cheerleaders and all of the band members to think, yeah, we can be playing on national TV for a right to go to the Final Four. It's the best. And and you've read all of the economic stuff about how this impacts St. Peter's, how it impacts their league. And yeah, Shaheem Holloway is going to take a job yeah. somewhere else. We get that. But at Winthrop, we've seen several coaches achieve. And part of that success is going to the NCAA tournament, the name recognition, the banners that get raised. Shaheem Holloway did a remarkable job. Whoever takes over for him has a difficult job, but they do not have as difficult a job as he did. He he did something that they will build a statue to him, they will recruit to, they're going to have some more resources going forward. He changed the course of the university.
0: Oh, absolutely,
1: and really put them on the
0: map. I, mean, I, I lived in, I lived probably three or four miles from there when I was in Manhattan. Maybe even, not even that, and I had no clue it was there. And it's been around for over a hundred years, but it, it is—it's the true Cinderella. I mean, you can you know—if Miami won, everyone would have been saying, "You know how great Miami's a Power Five with a you know know—granted, they're—you know—basketball-wise,
1: they're not." How much as does Jim Larinaga look like Larry David? <laughs> yeah. Larry David and Jim Beheim and Jim Laranagan. Yeah, 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 yeah. you, s- you, could, you could swirl them all together, and they're kind of the, the, same, <laughs>
0: same, the same person, right? Yeah, that's pretty funny. But uh, Yeah, it's different.
1: It's different. Th- those two are not the same. In Miami, you know, to their credit, they weren't very good. They were kind of okay during the regular season. They put things together. I mean, Auburn played the worst NCAA tournament game I have seen in a long, yeah. long time. Somebody I- – I was arguing with a friend – about Auburn playing the worst tournament game of anyone this year by a mile. And they're like, and what about Kentucky? I I don't actually think Kentucky played that poorly. I think St. Peter's went out there and fought and played hard and refused to yield. And yeah, if Kentucky plays their A game, do they win? Sure. But but they they got a challenge. Meanwhile, Auburn against Miami – that was a bad AAU game. I mean, they, they <laughs> threw in the towel. Yeah. They stopped playing defense. They had absolutely no direction. I, it, it was, it, it was. Ugly. So Miami beats USC, beats a Power 5 team. They beat Auburn, another Power 5 team. They beat Iowa State. Now, none of those teams had, like, spectacular, amazing years. But, hey, you won three NCAA tournament games. It's as far as Miami has ever gone. I think they said Laranega is the first guy to ever take two different programs to the Elite Eight, which is cool. But it's even more cool when you think about the two programs or George Mason oh, yeah. and Miami, yeah. not exactly, you know, uh, blue blood. Blood. Right. Yeah. So, so, so terrific. Good for them. And now we arrive at the final four and Miami is not St. Peter's and, and, oh, by the way, the teams in the final four are not Miami and St. Peter's either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- no. this is, this is big boy basketball. Well, um, and no pun intended when I say blue bloods, cause you know, blue is the color of all four teams. Right, right. Exactly. Well, how about, how about this? I mean, you get this tournament with all of these upsets and this incredible Cinderella in St. Peter's, and now they're gone, and we look at the Final Four. There's going to be a movie made about St. Peter's. There, right, there's yeah. no question right. in my mind. That, that's that got Disney right. written all over it. Well, if Duke wins the national championship, there's oh, going to yeah. be a movie about K. and his. I mean, what a tournament to produce. Those sort of stories. Duke and North Carolina have never played in the NCAA tournament. Crazy, right? North Carolina ruined Krzyzewski's final game at Cameron. And what are the odds that this Carolina team with nine losses and eight seed going into the tournament? Wow. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. Does
0: Kevin James play Coach Who plays Coach Kevin? Any
1: chance they can move (laughs) that semifinal
0: to Greensboro? Oh, man, I know. I know. Wow! What a what a story. Well, and you know, it's funny. Um, I've had several people say this to me already. It's like, boy, that that that's it. You know, Kansas. Not that the Kansas and Villanova is going to be the, the B side of the of the of the record, but it is. I mean, everyone's going to be talking about Duke and North Carolina. It, it, this is the Red Sox and Yankees
1: playing in the World Series, almost. You know, I mean, it, it's, well, it, it's actually exactly the Red Sox yeah. and Yankees playing in the AFC Championship or, yeah, the, the, AFC, or the, 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 the the AL Championship, championship. series, yeah, but yeah. because. And it's better because the tournament's better because it's win and lose. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, the NCAA tournament is made up of game sevens. Every game is a game seven. It's single elimination. But The point I was trying to make, though, is that,
0: it, this is, that game might almost be larger than the championship game in some respects. There's no
1: question. What will be really interesting is, let's say Duke beats North Carolina. I mean, I I don't know what the spread on the game is. I'm going to look it up as we talk here. My guess is Duke is a four-point favorite, something like that. Um, Let's say Duke beats North Carolina, and and now they're playing in the championship game, and they're probably going to be playing Kansas, if I would guess, and I love Villanova. I I just – Jay Wright's team plays with more discipline. They play with more – understanding of who they are, that they are so high IQ. Obviously, they're the best free-throw shooting team in the history of yeah. college basketball, but they took a big-time big loss. Yeah. I, I mean, y- y- they are not a deep team. No, they play, and like you, six, seven guys? Right, and you take away really one of three. I, I, I would say, you know, t- to me, Samuel Moore... And and the point guard that those three yeah. guys are really really special. I do like the big guy, I must say, but but Gillespie yeah, and Gillespie, Moore and yeah. Samuels are, are special. Eric Dixon is a nice addition to he this is. year's team, but but now you lose one of those key cogs, and that's that's going to be hard. That's damaging. I mean, they 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 really only have six contributors to start with, and, and now you go down to five. Now. They're going to tempo you. They're going mm-hmm. to slow the game yeah. down. They're going to try to be first to 50. I, I mean, you want to talk about in a possible matchup for Houston, you know, they want to do the same thing. Right. Villanova's just better at it. Yeah. I, I mean, Jay Wright's team is incredible and maybe they can hang with Kansas because they'll they'll take the air out of the ball and they'll make all the right reads but they're just playing with a little bit of a short deck but they have a week to prepare you know what they I mean
0: its it, I mean it's not like it was you know in the the Saturday game and now the championship game they're without Justin Moore and how do you turn that around and you know on a two-day prep you know not, not that it's any greater you know significance but you know maybe there's some things they can tinker around with and
1: and and try and work in that, that can that can help out yeah i mean they they need they need to find somebody in recruiting in the next week to add to the rotation. And, and the kid Brian Antoine, remember yeah. against oh, yeah. Winthrop, he <laughs> basically <laughs> went the entire <laughs> season without scoring. Hit like and three threes, <laughs> right? Then he hit a bunch of shots <laughs> yeah. against Winthrop and, and had like you know whatever yeah. eight or ten yeah. points. I mean, he uh, no, not joking. No, he I know. Might that, have to that, go into the rotation. Right, I mean, he, right. he doesn't play right. a ton. Like like they're going to need a guy like that. To, to show up, and you know, maybe you play Archdiaco, probably, gonna, gonna and get you move, more, yeah. you move Gillespie to the two. Yeah. But then you're a really different team because right. Archdiaco is a non-shooter. You right. don't have to guard him. Yada yada yada. Jay will figure it out, but they're going to be an underdog, and they're going to be an underdog for the right reason. Right. Well, um, and you're bringing a you're bringing a, a McDonald's All American. Uh, an Antoine off the bench, right? (laughs) Well, it's not. Yeah, exactly. So let's say, though, for the sake of argument that Duke beats Carolina. And and, and I think Duke will beat Carolina. They're going to be heavily motivated. And they're playing better now than they were at the end of the season. I I mean, I don't think. I think both teams, you're in the freaking national semifinal. I think everyone's going to be motivated. I, I think Duke is playing at the way we thought they could play all year long. I was anti-Duke going into the tournament because this is a team that couldn't win the ACC tournament. They lost to Virginia Tech. They couldn't beat North Carolina, one of the kind of okay, so-so, not great North Carolina teams. On senior day at Cameron, and they kind of went through the whole year where they would show flashes and mm-hmm. then they would be bad. I think they lost to Florida State, who wasn't any good this year, and they played overtime games against teams that weren't good. I think they met a loss to Virginia or played an OT game against Virginia and just kept going. Yeah. If you underachieve for four months, like, why aren't you for the final couple of weeks in the year? But now they're playing at the level that we knew they were capable of. I thought the offensive game plan against Arkansas was spectacular. They just refused to take bad shots. Yeah. They put well, they their heads up down. Good jobs for better shots. Exactly. Put their head down. They drove. They touched the paint on almost every possession, and that's why they kept getting to the free-throw line. Or when they would touch the paint, a double team would come. They would flare it out. They would get an open 17-footer. We weren't seeing ridiculous three-pointers taken. I I thought it was a a great game plan offensively from Duke and and defensively. I really thought Krzyzewski made an incredible halftime adjustment against Texas Tech. Give Texas Tech credit. Terrific defensive team. They're very good offensively in transition, and they can score going downhill. But they're they're not a great shooting team, and I, I commented to a friend at halftime that I thought that, Texas Tech was being successful taking advantage of the man-to-man defense that Duke plays. They've always tried to deny that that point-to-wing pass. Mm-hmm. They play very, very aggressive on the perimeter. Well, Texas Tech is able to take advantage of that aggressiveness and simply drive by. And now they have an odd-man break, 3-on-2, 4-on-3, whatever it is. Sheshewski goes zone in the second yeah. half, goes under screens and says... Go ahead, shoot yourself to the next round. That's just not what Texas Tech does. With all due respect to former Winthrop Eagle Adonis Arms, Duke wants him shooting three pointers in the second half. And quite frankly, that's the case with a bunch of those players. Adonis Arms driving downhill. Adonis Arms in transition, really, really Really dangerous. Go look up his career three-point numbers. That's a shot you're probably going to give him. And he took one or two too many for for Texas Tech's offense to win that game. So I, I think when you mix in the zone, which we saw in both the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, when you play offense the way they did against Arkansas, they're just operating at an extremely high level right now. But if they beat North Carolina, what then? How big a deep breath do you take? You're one game away. You beat your arch rival, and now Kansas stands on the other side, potentially. I told you at the beginning of the tournament, I thought they had the easiest road to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. Here they are, the only one seed in the Final Four. This is a good Kansas team. You you talk about Duke having lottery picks. Kansas has those guys, too, and, like, you just wonder mentally, of course everyone's going to be up for the national title game. Could you even be a little bit tight? You've yeah. gotten this far, and now Mike Krzyzewski's trying to win it in his final game. K- Kansas is is no pawn. They're, they're, they're very, very real. And Kansas, you know, when you look at the
0: experience level, too, I mean, they got some great pieces. They take bring Remy
1: Martin off the <laughs> bench. Remy, Yeah. He was the Pack twelve player yeah. of the year, a- and he comes off the bench. Now, if you want to go the other way with Kansas, their path to Has the Final easiest. Four. Yeah, I mean they beat a ten seed in Miami. They beat the overseeded four Providence. Mm-hmm. They beat kind of a. A okay, pretty good Creighton team who was playing well at that particular yeah. moment, and, and our friend Randy Peel and Texas yep. Southern who had played two days earlier. So, I mean, that's why I said they had the easiest path. But they are they are very very talented. I mean, they were a number one seed for a reason, and, and the, the 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 couple of big guys are are really tough to deal with. I mean, I I think you you look at McCormick and you, you kind of marvel at at the way he can can rebound and, and defend and score. And, and I don't even know if he's their best big. In right. fact, I probably like Abadge or whatever whatever uh yeah. what is it? Yeah, uh Abodji. Abaji, yep. I, I think I like him better. And he's not he's not a, a true back to the basket right. five man. He's more of a wing player. Uh but they they they're they're very good. They they, they they've got They've got size, they've got athleticism, they can shoot the ball a little bit, they're they they, they they're tough. And if you believe, and, and I think now that we've watched the tournament, I thought going into the tournament, the best two teams were, were or the best two conferences were pretty clearly the SEC and the Big 12. I, I understand that people are now going to argue for the ACC, I, I don't think, you know, single elimination tournament tells us that I I think the big 12 was pretty clearly the best conference this year. And Kansas was the best team in that best conference, but you know, we'll see. I mean, Duke may have been the most talented team from day one and here they are in the final four. Now I'm interested to get your perspective on this. There was a lot of talk at the end of last week about Gonzaga And obviously, you're the number one overall seed in the tournament. They have been very, very good year in and year out. They beat Georgia State in the first round, and they beat Memphis in a tight game in the second round, and they lose to Arkansas in the Sweet 16. And I don't think we need to debate, did Gonzaga have a disappointing tournament? Yeah, you're the number one seed. You want to be in the final four. You want to win the national title. They, they've they been in the national title game twice in the last, whatever, five, six, seven years. Where do you stand on their program in terms of, obviously, they are a big winner consistently, but in the NCAA tournament, we have still yet to see them win a championship? Is that sample size? Is that a fluke? Or does it have something to do with they play this monster non-conference schedule and in their league they play St. Mary's who's pretty good and BYU who's pretty good and then whoever else in that particular year San Francisco or Santa Clara or, or one of those teams that, that might be pretty good but they're also playing several teams during the course of the league season that they're just a lot better than. I mean, their their test in January and February is probably not the same as Kansas, Duke, etc.
0: Well, my answer to that, Dave, is when you look at the last ten or twenty years, you know how many different schools um, that, that are outside of the mainstream, if you will, have won the tournament. Not many, and if at all and i think gonzaga's record over the last 10 years what don't they have like the most wins in the ncaa tournament or i have this i mean look it, i look it, when you get down to the final 16 or the final 8 you're facing the best other seven or 15 best teams in the country at that time it's not easy it's hard to win a basketball game it's hard to, it's hard to win against kentucky or duke or north carolina in in december it's equally if not harder to do it in um in march i I think they have a record of sending guys
1: now to uh they're starting to send guys to the nba they're starting to be successful so you don't believe and i think i agree with you if you if you agree with this but but i'm interested Let's, let's go through it you don't believe they lost to arkansas because while arkansas was playing tennessee and auburn and you know the bad teams they were playing are mississippi and vanderbilt while gonzaga occasionally had a hard game against saint mary san francisco they were playing pacific and pepperdine but i i think it's it, it's and this probably isn't the, the
0: right comparison or people might scoff but this is just our universe and what we see we see this winthrop all the time like gonzaga was everybody's bullseye yep you know i mean look it, it's I mean, would they be would they be better off having like a a down year or being like a a four or five seed and come out of the pack and surprise everybody? Like maybe that would take a little bit of pressure off them. Uh, but as you know, I mean, you know, every time they hit the floor in the tournament, it's hey, they're playing the number one overall seed, Gonzaga. Now, have there been some missteps? Absolutely. And you know, I I think, you know, if that continues, that's that's going to certainly hound Mark Few in the program, but as you and I know dave i mean gonzaga is not a they're not a mid I and mean, people might call them a mid major they're not a mid major even though you know the conference is you know a, a two or three bid conference depending on the year um but i just think it's 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 look it's so hard to win a basketball game it's it's hard to, with that pressure when you're the number 1 and like they hit a hard i mean arkansas was playing pretty well when they played I mean, yep. them that, that wasn't a, i mean I mean that was. I mean this is no disrespect to St. Peter's, but I mean if they if they were matched up against St. Peter's and lost to St. Peter's, I think it would be natural to be like, oh, see, you know. But I mean Arkansas, they, they played tough defensively. They you know they drove it, hit some big shots. Like that, that wasn't. I mean that wasn't a. They may take a hit for losing to Arkansas because they were a four c but that wasn't a
1: bad team. Gonzaga's strength of schedule this year was 100. Baylor's was 38. Arizona was 68. Kentucky was 59. Obviously, Gonzaga—the way they inflate that—is by playing an incredible non-conference yeah. schedule, and, and then they played several teams in league this year. Remember, the WCC was a, a three bid league. They played right. and they San lost Fr- to St. Mary's. Right. Yeah, but it's a, a- rivalry game. Yeah, it, it just I'm with you. I don't think that Gonzaga has to do anything else other than continue to recruit really well, continue to schedule really well. And I mean, they've come within 40 minutes of winning the national title game a couple of times. I mean, when you're that close, yeah, they, they, they they haven't won the big game and and that's unfortunate. But when you come as close as they have consistently, I don't really think anything's broken or they've done anything wrong. No, I mean, you you know, you look back
0: at, um, you know, at all the different champions, right? I mean, you know, Baylor, you know, I mean, n- maybe not in that same circle as, you know, Kansas and, and Duke and North Carolina, but, you know, it's still a power five that pumps a lot of money in there. Virginia, you know, Villanova's won a couple of times. Um, you know, then you look at Connecticut, multiple winners. Louisville has heritage. Kentucky, um, you know, Kansas, Florida a couple of times. Connecticut, I mean, the the, the schools, that is your, 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 your alma mater, Syracuse, Maryland, you know, that's going back 20 years, Michigan State, like, it's a small club. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, yep. You know, I mean, it'd be one thing if, like, it was baseball, right? Like, let's say Coastal Carolina won it four years ago. I think then it would be a fair comparison to be like, wow, geez, you know, they could do it. You know, Gonzaga's trying to do something that, I mean, in that list of schools we just talked about, And remember if you go back to 85, I mean, Villanova probably would have been, I wouldn't say considered a mid-major back then, but that was, a, and because
1: of their seating, that was a surprise. But, I mean, UNLV... UNLV was kind of a fringy, right? I mean, they were in the Big West yeah. at the time, but they had Larry Johnson and Stacy Augman, and they had, you know, Jerry right. And I, I don't know that you can really compare that. Villanova, obviously, they're not a quote-unquote Power 5 team, but they sure look like one. I mean, I, and I'm not being
0: flip here, but, I mean, if you really want to see, like, a smaller school that won it that all... That was out of the mainstream. You go back to '63 with Loyola. Uh, I,
1: I was going to say Indiana State with Bird made it, but they lost to Magic. They lost to Magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Marquette
0: to go. with Al McGuire, but I mean, you know, you know, it was Al McGuire.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Marquette is big budget yeah. basketball, right? Like, right. like yeah, it, it's not Kentucky and Kansas blue blood, but it's it's pretty. Pretty high and mighty, and, yeah. and really, that's what makes the St. Peter's story Even so more, rich. I right, mean, right, think right. about the budgets of of the teams that they played and the facilities and all of that. It's well, just, just think
0: what they did for the for the MAAC. I mean, the, I, what did I see? The next six years, each school's going to get like eight hundred grand. I mean, for those schools in that exactly. conference, like that's. could you imagine like the big South schools all getting eight hundred grand for six years? Well, I could think a way we could spend it. Other... <laughs> I know well, we all, you and I. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe we'd, uh, you know, maybe we'd get a car for the bearded car. <laughs> it's a nice idea. It's a
0: great idea. A
1: great this idea. is the Bearded Carcast for Mike Pachico. I'm Dave Friedman. Thanks for joining us. A rare out of season podcast. I don't know if it's rare. It was rare in the last year or so. If you would like us to continue doing bearded Carcast during the off season, what's your Venmo? <laughs> yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Let, let us know. Send us an email bearded at Outlook outlook.com or, or reach out to us on social media. And, uh, we, we'd love to hear about, uh, what you're interested in hearing about, or if you're interested in hearing anything, um, the NFL offseason, and I think we talked about this on, on Selection Sunday when we last talked, it, it you know bid in a Selection Sunday with the big Tom Brady news. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And then over the last few weeks wow. while the tournament was yeah. being played, it's one haymaker after yeah. another. Yeah. I, I don't know where to start. I, I guess you have to start – with the quarterback carousel, right? Russell well, that's Wilson, really,
0: right? That's been the that's carried the day, and and you know Russell Wilson, which you know kind of came to its conclusion, sort of, right? Because I mean, obviously, um, goes from Houston to Cleveland, and Cleveland's taken a kind of a bloodbath on the PR side of things, and, as and that, you knew anybody that traded for him would. And but but then I think it was even more. Um, I mean, the plot thickened even more. I think I don't know if it was right after the press conference or within a few hours after the press conference it was released that um, he may in fact now have a a second grand jury. A, a, um, I think one of the twenty-two women that um, were in the civil suit uh, they've been talking to a, a grand jury in another town in, in Texas, and it, so this isn't over, Dave. And of course that's why his contract was structured the way it is. Um, a huge domino. I mean, a lot of teams. You know, the the obviously the Panthers here were were rumored to be involved. In fact, they were in in the final mix. They kind of were out and then came back in. They wouldn't guarantee the final two years. Cleveland did. And I tell you what, how about, uh, as we're talking right now, the owners' meetings are going on in Florida. What do you think the reaction to the Haslams is right now? I mean, a a fully guaranteed contract in the NFL?
1: I I I don't think the reaction should be, Anything other than going, well, you would have done it, and you would have done it. I mean, I mean. But no, I mean, a bunch of teams had the opportunity and they passed on it. Maybe so. I I think what they did was inevitable that somebody was going to. And, And you can have a long moral argument. About Deshaun Watson I am happy if you side on the side of I just wouldn't want him representing my team I am happy for you to side on he's a great young player at the most important position and and I want him all of those things are are fine he's going to be suspended for some perhaps even this entire season you know that going in but he is an incredible talent and, and he is going to be the the guy for that team at that position for the foreseeable future, so you give up a lot to get him. Fine. To me, the bigger story is player power in the NBA mm. has kind of been this way for a decade. The players run the show. The players decide largely if they're going to sign somewhere, where they're going right. to get traded they play to, with right and all of those sort of things and that's become pretty clearly where the NFL is now to maybe not to the same degree but well, i mean, i think it's
0: harder cuz i mean it's easier to do when you have 12 guys or 15 guys on a roster but 53 i mean there is some of that but it's not i mean but we saw same. we saw
1: in the Similar. last yeah with two weeks, and Brady a couple of years ago the top arguably the two best receivers in the NFL almost certainly the two best receivers for two of the best quarterbacks in the league said, we want a bazillion dollars. We want it now. Pay us or we'll find someone else to do it. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers' best receiver is in (laughs) Vegas and Patrick Mahomes' best receiver is in Kansas City. Or it goes from Kansas City to Miami. And, And, like, it seems pretty clear to me that what we see in the NBA is basically at the NFL now. I don't view this as a negative thing, but it's a different thing. I I was talking to a friend who's a college basketball coach the other day, and we were talking about the transfer portal. And he made a point, he said something to the effect of, I think the transfer portal is great because at one time all recruiting came down not, not at the, the low major level, but at the high major level, it, it came down to Bagman. Mm-hmm. It came down to this, this shady right. gray area. And, and his point was, I like the portal and I like NIL because now we can see who can actually recruit, mm. who who can go out and and, and get a guy. With everything above board. Interesting. Like it's leveling
0: the playing field to some extent.
1: Right. And and in the NFL, I I think we've kind of gotten to the point where the players have the power. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I would say in the era of free agency
0: because um, it's been, what, I don't know, 20, 25 years now, right, uh, mm-hmm. that it's taken this long for this to happen. And maybe, obviously, it's it's natural because, you know, owners had a lot of power early on. Um, it's interesting, you don't really see, with, you know, technically no salary cap, you haven't really seen this
1: as much in baseball. Uh, it's interesting that it's a, kind of an NBA. Oh, baseball's a debacle. <laughs> I mean, you can't have, you can't have teams. That, I mean, if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, then... It's a bad season. I mean, for for what they're spending, I think I read. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you're paying more attention than I am. I I think there are some teams in baseball spending three hundred million dollars, and there are other teams spending like fifty million dollars. It's not quite uh, that high, but yeah,
0: it's. I think it's in the high two hundred, like two eighty, two nineties, and. Yeah, the the floor is in in your neighborhood. But what are you talking about, like 50? Right, but, but yeah, that's, no, a, that's no, it's a, a huge joke. disparity. Absolutely, it's a joke. Well, and and then you you look at, um, you know, like uh, proud franchises. You know, like Baltimore. Like you know, now growing up, Orioles were a good organization, right? Um, now, granted, it's not a it's not a New York, it's not a Boston, it's not a Chicago. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of heritage there. But uh, you know, they're one of the teams in the bottom four of the payroll.
1: Yeah, I, I just brought it up here on sports track. Dodgers two hundred and seventy-five million, Mets two hundred fifty million, Yankees two hundred and forty million, and then at the bottom, Orioles thirty-one million, yeah, 31 million. Cleveland thirty-seven million, Pittsburgh thirty-eight million. I, I mean, how do you compete? I mean, how the, can I mean, you ask Tampa someone Bay's, to buy a ticket to watch your team get their butt kicked because you simply refuse to spend enough money to compete? I mean, and that, that that's ridiculous. Well, when was the last time the Orioles made the playoffs, or or consistently? I mean, I think I mean, they were
0: in like five, six years ago.
1: But yeah, they had that good run a decade ago, whatever it was. But but, your payroll is. million, you're the Guardians, 37.4, the Pirates, 37.9, the A's, 41.8. Those four teams' payroll is more than $25 million less than any other team. Those four teams aren't trying to win. They're not fielding a competitive product. You can't possibly be a fan of one of those franchises and say, man, I'm fired up for the season. You can say, I want to go get a beer with my buddies. Yeah. You can say, I'll go support the team once. It's a nice sunny day, Wh- whatever. But like to buy a season ticket for one of those teams, you should get your head examined. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, yeah, but you know you're getting yourself into. So I mean. Right, but, but like, like the cost of going, I have no idea what the cost of going to a Dodgers a Mets or a Yankees game is. I, I would have to think... It's on the for, high for, end. I mean, it's like... I think the average ticket's well over $100. So for two people to go to a Mets game, you, you're probably in it... What, parking, food, all right. those things. Two people, it's probably... You're out the door 300 bucks. Is that fair? Yeah, probably something like that. Okay, so if their payroll is $250 million and the Guardian's payroll is $37 million, Th- that means you should be paying um, nine times less, something like yeah, that? Yeah. So how much is a ticket to a Guardians game? It's probably, I'm going to guess, 30 to $40 average. But it probably should be about 15
0: bucks. Right. Well, in the aftermarket it probably is because someone's buying those tickets and then they can't unload them, so they're just trying to get whatever they can get. Uh, it. it th- that's not a real sport that that's just that that's a joke but we've talked I about mean, the I mean baseball is, is starting to become like hockey right I mean it's it's it, it used to be big in between the, in between the major league cities and now those people have found something else whether it's minor league baseball whether it's MLS whether it's you know their kids game whatever I mean like when I moved here people were still like you would hear some not a lot but you would hear some like when when I was at FNZ we, we would have some baseball MLB talk I had a I don't think the, the guys now doing local talk right here are, are talking baseball at all. Maybe, maybe they'll talk a little bit around uh, opening day. Maybe they'll talk a little bit about it at the World Series. But in between then, it's all NFL and then NBA and then college basketball, college football, NFL, obviously. I mean, NFL, you can talk any day, right? I mean, you can
1: talk any, any, any one of the 365. It looks to me, I know very little about baseball teams and baseball rosters. It looks to me like there is a dip between the 11th highest payroll team, the Astros, they're paying about $165 million, and the 12th uh, highest payroll team, the Cardinals, they're playing $145 million. I would think of the 11 teams at $165 or more that you, you would expect 10 or so of those 11 teams, nine of those 11 teams. To make the playoffs and one of them to win the World Series. It appears to me that before the season begins, of the thirty teams, there are eleven that are seriously competing. Well, and
0: and if you put Tampa Bay in that mix, they're doing basically a shell game. Meaning, and I don't mean that in a negative connotation, but they're they're basically they're hustling and doing a lot of different things trying to stay competitive. You know, they're not they're not keeping a lot of their. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that they sign, they're they're moving them for for assets. Um, I mean, they're doing it with you know a lot of hustle, a lot of smarts, some bailing wire, some you know like the MacGyver of of putting together a baseball team. That's Tampa Bay. I mean, based honestly, on... honestly, they're St.
1: Peters. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that the fact yeah. that they're able to do that is absolutely remarkable. They've been in the playoffs three straight years. Now the prior five years. They missed the playoffs in all of those seasons, but the last. But they were years, accumulating assets. I mean, they were doing hundred percent, hundred percent, and and their payroll this year is twenty fourth at seventy seven million dollars. So, so there are still um, six teams. Behind them in yeah. peril. But the fact that they're able to do that is remarkable. You know, I'm an A's fan, even though I'm really sour on baseball right now. Right. And, and I get what the A's are doing. The A's believe in these windows. Right. They have windows in which they can be competitive, and they have windows in which they can't. And the moment in which they decide the window is closed, they sell. So the A's have been in the playoffs more than half the time over the last, whatever the number is, 20 or 25 years. And and now they realize they're at a point where the salaries are going up and and they can still get value for their guys. So they're all gone. So the A's who have been in the playoffs each of the last three years and six of the last nine years are now going to be one of the worst teams in baseball for the next however long, two or three years. And, And then they'll be back with a low payroll. I mean, it's a little bit, of what the Rays have done, but the Rays are probably better at it or they have more sustained success at it. But but both of those teams to have anywhere near the success that they've had is remarkable. That being said, if you believe it all comes down to who's standing at the end, neither of those teams has won a World Series. The teams that have won the World Series are always the teams spending a ridiculous amount of money.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the haves and the have nots, right? I mean it's 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 that, you know, Dodgers, Yankees Red Sox, the Giants, um, are, are, the, the Giants are still in that top fourteen, they're above the the average salary. Uh, yeah, but
1: they're not in that hundred sixty five million dollar class. No, no, no. Now, no. now I don't know. And it's been a couple yeah, I, years I, I,
0: since they won a World Series, too.
1: Well, that's a very good point. Very good point. I mean, last year they dramatically overachieved, and they have new, young management that's yeah. really, really analytics forward. And I think they were better last year than even they expected right. to be. But, but yeah, I well, mean, the but Yankees yeah, haven't won in a long time. They're spending a bunch of dough. So, how many teams make the playoffs in baseball in the new the new system? Oh, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, fourteen, I think. I, I have no idea. Is it fourteen? either twelve or fourteen? I'll look it up. Okay, of the 11 teams at $165 million or above. It would surprise me if 9 or 10 of those aren't in the playoffs. Is, is that reasonable? Um, I think so. Yeah, it's a 12-team format. 12 teams 12 go team to the playoffs? Format, yeah. So, okay, so of the teams at 165, so the Astros are the 11th highest payroll, yeah. the 11th payroll and up, only 12 teams make the playoffs. I would expect 9 of those 12 or 10 Ten of those twelve to be of the eleven highest payrolls. Would you agree or disagree with that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, mean, I think gross. you. I think
0: what you probably. Well, and then you, I think you throw in. I mean, I don't know who you take out, but you probably throw in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, maybe it's and a,
1: one sort of wild card
0: team. You know, maybe it's the Padres come out or you know whatever. But um, yeah, no, it's it's. I think what's interesting too is when you you, you factor that in. But also just the the heat, and and I'm not saying it's unjustified, but just the, the,
1: you know, I mean, who wants to sit through a three-hour baseball game anymore? You know, I mean, it's... um I, I was talking to one of my buddies, one of my college friends. The other day, he's got two young sons. One of his son's favorite thing to do is to play baseball. The sun is finally coming up in the Northeast, in New England here in the last week or two. His son wants to have batting practice and field ground balls, and he he can't wait to go. And I said, does he watch baseball? And the answer was very cleanly and clearly, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't watch baseball. He's like, now, it's partially my fault. He goes, I used to watch every single Red Sox game. Every night I watch the Red Sox, and he goes, and now I'm not interested anymore. And so if I see a cool play on, on Twitter or you know uh, online, I show it to my son, and I go, hey, isn't that really cool? And he goes, yeah, that's really cool. And that's it, because yeah. the game isn't very entertaining. The, the ball is never in play, and it takes forever, and home runs and strikeouts and walks just aren't very exciting. Well, it just— no, I was going to say, the the, the the counterpoint, not that it's a
0: counterpoint, but, you know, the one thing that, that baseball kind of over the last 70 or 80 years, society grew up around baseball, right? Um, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, in 19, let's say right before World War Two, right, uh, you had, you didn't have television, right? So you'd have newspapers, you had a morning newspaper, an afternoon newspaper, and you had the radio, and that was it. And so, and there wasn't a lot going on. I mean, they had, yeah, they would do some, you know, you had movies, right? You would go to the movies. But, you know, it was during the Depression. Like, it was, it was. you know, people had a radio, but maybe they wouldn't go to the movies all the time, even though it was like a nickel to go to the movies. But in, in that ensuing, what, 90 years, uh, you know, television came into the picture. Um, then the internet. And now streaming services. I mean, there's just so much competition for your entertainment dollar and, you know, I think w- what was distressing me, I think, a little bit about this last labor negotiation is it, it doesn't seem like the players and the owners are recognizing that. Like, they need to figure out something to make the game um, a little bit more true to what it was, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. You know, not to say that you have to go, you know, go, go as far as bunting every time, you know, bunt guys over to all that stuff, but, you know, Instead of trying to hit a home run, put it, you know, if you guys are on first base, you know, hit them over. You know, have you
1: been to a Charlotte FC match yet? I have not. Okay. Have you watched any on TV? Have you read anything about it? Have you seen any highlights? I've just seen some of the highlights. Yeah. Okay. It seems to me that when I moved to Charlotte, which is two decades ago now, there was a discussion of, you know, what? This could be a major league city at some point. And then we got the new Knight Stadium downtown. It's a terrific facility, a great place to watch a game. The problem is the game isn't entertaining. Charlotte FC, I'm not a soccer guy. I watch the World Cup every four years. That's pretty much all of my soccer. The energy around the team, the buzz in the city, A Major League Baseball team could come here, and for a year or two or three, I think there would be excitement. I believe that at this point in time, soccer is a more viable, better supported sport in this community than baseball could be for the long term. Is that crazy?
0: I don't think it's provable. In other words, it's not crazy. Um, I think... I think a lot is gonna depend on how the team is two, three, four years from now. Um, are they gonna be competitive? Uh I, I think winning is gonna have to this is Charlotte. I mean I've been in Charlotte for twenty years. Um, you know, obviously when I moved here it was at the tail end of the Hornets, even though when I first moved here the Hornets were still very successful. Then it was the end of the George Shinn era and and the the arena situation and they didn't get the um the referendum, so then George Shin uh, and uh, Woolridge moved the team to New Orleans. The Bobcats never really kind of, you know, they had a couple of playoff runs. Um, then Michael Jordan kind of reinvigorated the team with the Hornets. But it's, it's been kind of an up and down with them. The Panthers, I think, are in an interesting situation too because, you know, obviously it's the NFL. People love the NFL. Um uh, but i th- well, the point i'm trying to say is in charlotte's no different than a lot of places so this isn't i'm not picking on charlotte here but look everyone loves a winner and i i think if if the uh, charlotte fc d- you know they'll still have their core supporters uh, and that's probably a big number right now but um if if they're not going to be winning games or winning matches down the stretch you know in the next couple years you know obviously this year next year you know you, you got a couple years to kind of get things
1: going I agree you get a couple of years to get things going, but I think your chances of success with a sport that is played once a week, which means you're only playing a home game once every other week, those games are on the weekend, and they last two hours, are so dramatically higher than trying to play one of 162, one of 81 home games on a Tuesday night, Followed by a Wednesday night, followed by a Thursday night. I, I just, I don't think three, three and a half hour games, middle of the week, every day. I don't think it can compare. Even well, correct teams... me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right
0: now, these are these are good players in the in MLS, but these aren't, for the most part, the best players in the world. Right? I mean, those guys are playing right overseas. Yep. So I don't want to call it AAA because that's probably not fair to the guys that are playing. But with Major League Baseball those are the
1: best players in the world at that sport yep so I would just like to add that that's, that's I, I mean I think only... that's a I think that's a great point I think I think you're talking about the best versus not the best but I also think you're talking about once every week or two I want you to hang out with your friends and tailgate go to a bar go to a restaurant, Come out to the game, it'll only take two hours, it's only on the weekend. I but mean, you I talk s- about
0: we talk about this all the time, right? Um you know, I mean night's games have significance, right? But they're not as significant as the Braves playing the Cardinals on a Friday night. Right? Right. Um our game, Winthrop games, Winthrop games are important because the better you do, the better your seating in the in your conference tournament, and then if you win your conference tournament you go to the NCAA tournament, right? I don't think from from a I would say this is different between a soccer aficionado and the average sports fan. The average sports fan, I don't think even if they enjoy watching a little bit of MLS, unless you're an MLS supporter, I don't like, I couldn't tell you who won the MLS championship last year.
1: Can you? No, me neither, but I also would have to trigger my head back to remember who won the World Series. But I still think there's still that Who won the World Series 2 years ago? I remember the Braves won last year. Uh it's Dodgers, wasn't it? Was it the Dodgers? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it was the Dodgers
0: because that was the COVID. Remember? Right. Did they yeah. beat
1: the Rays with the Rays in it?
0: Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And I, and I think, and to to uh, not to pile on baseball. I mean, baseball's other problem, I think, is that the sport is at a at a grassroots level. It's still it's still popular, but uh, what's what's happened in other sports? is happening to baseball, uh, meaning if you're not on a travel ball team, if your kid's not on a travel ball team at a certain age, it's less likely that he's going to go through a rec league, go on a middle school team, go on a high school team, maybe get a college scholarship or get drafted. I mean, it's it's starting to become, I don't want to say elitist, but uh, I, I, you know how I am. I'm the underdog, right? I, I love the underdog. Uh, my fear is that the... the it's going to be harder and harder for the diamonds in the rough, which is a lot of baseball story. I mean, Mike Piazza was like, what, like a 48th round draft pick. Um, but, but kids that, um, to to your point about baseball is, you know, kids playing and aren't watching it, that's a problem. But kids that maybe want to play, but maybe their parents can't afford, or they have this other kid, like kids that maybe want to be participating aren't given that opportunity or don't have that opportunity like they have had in the past, I think that a lot of youth leagues around the um, around the country are having problems. Um, and what happens is you might have like an eighth or a, uh, like an eight or nine year old or ten year old team, and then all of a sudden all those kids are going to a, um, a like a private baseball, um, you know, like a, a uh, like Jeff Schaefer's. Play- and, and I'm not mad at them. I mean, like, it, you know people can do what they want with their money and if that's how they feel like it, it's best it's you know you know we used on deck we didn't play with on deck but you know we took lessons there cuz I thought it was good for John um but it's just i think the the and this is where i think soccer's influence is important because remember 30 years ago if i told you MLS would be as popular as it is now you would have laughed at me yep and i and i think all those kids playing soccer and watching soccer and of course the world cup being able to watch the World Cup here and, and have the World Cup here, I think, has been helpful. I mean, it's, it, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there there there's some there's some really great great things about MLS and having soccer here, um, and that and that growth I think is finally starting to take hold. I, I think the next evolution is, and I'm not as well versed on this as as I probably should be. Um, you know, I think the men's national team has to get back to being able to compete in the World Cup and 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 kind of help keep you know invigorating things there, and, and maybe having some of those guys, even if they're a little bit older, and I know this is happening to some extent, but playing playing in MLS, too. But.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that, but, like, and, and no one's asking me to do this, so it's irrelevant, <laughs> but if, my, if a friend of mine said, hey, my kid's playing in a Little League baseball game, do you want to come? All, all I could think of is, oh, my God, how long is this going to take? Like are you, are you no, it's an hour Like yeah, I'm gonna or have two hours depending on the league. I mean, and, and if you have kids, they're just gonna be standing there. There's no movement. Soccer, at least I know they're gonna be running around. The game's gonna be in and out. Well, kids soccer is it's it's. I mean, uh, real early,
0: real young is it's just a swarm of people running after the ball. I mean, it's not it's not like now you the beautiful can play
1: game. a baseball game and not need a shower afterwards. <laughs> well, it depends on the time of year. It, well, yeah, but that has more to, that degrees. has more to do with global warming. <laughs> that's, than that's all right. It's still, it's still, it's still perspiring. It's still when did sweating. this become? A, when did this become a science uh, podcast? <laughs> I just feel like oh. it, it. It's just so clear that baseball has this major problem. The demographic for baseball is me, and me and my friends have such tepid interest in it if you have tepid interest in my demographic in it what what does that say for the future well and, and that's it, that's
0: what concerns me and you know uh, you know and obviously I've, I've been in baseball you know almost my entire professional life uh at some at some aspect of it whether it was covering a team or you know when I was working with the Red Sox or you know doing the games uh, since 2001 starting with Canapolis and now with the Knights and so you know obviously you know I you know I like the sport and obviously love the sport been a big part of my life um, but I hear from friends all the time. Like, what concerns me is what
1: I'm hearing from, from my friends like you are. And, and I know people that work in baseball, and they're not going to say it on the air or in print. And I say, God, this is such a problem. I, I don't know how you do this. And they universally agree. The sport is just full of these issues and problems that are unresolved, and seemingly no one is doing anything about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, baseball's trying. Um, it, it It's going to be seen whether these steps that uh, they're undertaking. I know this year uh, there's going to be the robotic
1: ump. Uh, What's going to happen first? Major League Baseball is going to make major sweeping changes or the NBA is going to have an in-season tournament. Mm. Probably, I would think... Well, the NBA is getting closer to that, right? I mean, they've been talking about yeah. it for a few years. But and I mean, it but I think, but I think, absolutely doing... brilliant idea because they play too many games, right. and you need to do anything you can to generate importance right. for those games. Well, and
0: they, I think they, and I think maybe the, the test run is the the playing game now that they're doing. The, <gasps>
1: the playing game's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's a great idea, and yeah, now do. 20 teams or 22 teams or 24 teams whatever it is make the playoffs yeah all of a sudden you're the 24th best team in the nba and you have a chance to get in the play-in tournament and all of these fan bases are engaged until the very end of the year i mean when you play too many games and every sport other than the nfl does you have to do something to make the regular season games meaningful and and the extra playoff positions, the play-in games in the NBA, do that. the The in-season tournament that they've talked about, it, it's going to do that. And meanwhile, baseball talks a good game. Nothing ever
0: happens. Well, and baseball is an interesting situation too, because the just the power that the players' union has, they can't just institute anything they want to. They have to collectively bargain it. So it's. Baseball's at a disadvantage maybe than
1: other sports in that sense. I'm, I'm looking forward to when the Final Four ends, being able to concentrate on the Masters, some golf, some tennis, some horse racing, and Wake me up when the playoffs begin, and let me know who's in the team's <laughs> rotations. Okay, we'll do. But, but I, I guess if we use rotations anymore, because the last time I watched baseball, we, we weren't using rotations. So they, you know, the the game that was being played in the regular season wasn't even the game that was being played in the playoffs because we took guys out after an inning or two innings yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So
0: well, in the game,
1: you know, it's the same game, but there are, you know, it has evolved. But but that's a problem too. If the regular season games and the playoffs Playoff games are so unbelievably different Then what are we doing? Like like you've got a problem. I mean, college basketball games during the regular season and college basketball games in the NCAA tournament largely look the same. NFL games during the regular season and playoff NFL games largely Largely look the same. same. In baseball, it's like a different sport. Well, doesn't that, that that has to look bad on something. Either what we're doing in the playoffs is ridiculous and over the top or what we're doing in the regular season is being kind of cast aside as not real meaningful because how could we dramatically change things after a full season? Well, I think that's a function of 162-game schedule. Which just goes to show that the 162 game schedule is about a hundred too many. No, yeah, but the, but the point I'm trying to make is, I mean, there's always been a little bit of
0: that with baseball. Sure, you know, with now it's a little bit more extreme with like the starters, like having just a guy come in and, um. But I mean, you know, and it's what Union and I notice about you know sometimes with college baseball is that you know every game's managed like it's a, a, a playoff game, like an MLB playoff game um because you would see you know you know in, in July or in J- April a starting pitcher gives up 4 runs in the first inning he might still be out there in the 7th inning if you know cuz he comes back in the second inning settles down um you know in a playoff game probably not if he gives up 4 runs in the first inning he's out and the next guy's in
1: Sometimes, though, he gives up no runs in the first inning and puts two on in the second, and he's out these days. (laughs) I I mean, but that's a different sport than the one we see in the regular season. Right, absolutely. I I mean, it it is what it is. There will be millions of people that choose to watch it this year. I would certainly like to believe that those millions of people are the teams watching the ones that have a chance when it's all said and done and, and are not the the other ones. There's no St. Peter's in Major League Baseball, unless we count the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Who have six teams or seven teams <laughs> yeah. with worse payrolls than them and still haven't won a World Series. Well, and I hope
0: they figure it out. I mean, obviously, it's it's you know a lifelong baseball fan. I I hope it uh, I hope it gets better because it's you know there are times where the sport uh, there are some great things and you know there are guys doing things in Major League Baseball that you know are very. You know, watching Mike Trout is terrific. Shohei Otani, uh, even though it was an exhibition game yesterday, uh, you know, hits a home run <laughs> on a curveball in the first, you know, first at bat of the game. I mean, it's just, uh, or his first at bat. You know, it, it's just, you know, there's some great things. They just need to uh, figure it out, and hopefully uh, they're able to do
1: that. But I consider myself a pretty big sports fan. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> on that note... <laughs>
0: Say goodnight, Gracie. I think it's time to uh to put a wrap on this. Oh, so wait, before we go, um we, we I forgot to mention this last week. Uh but we you know, I do want to extend best wishes to uh Russell Jones Junior, one of um and, and Josh Corbin, two winter players who have uh, entered the portal as of uh, as of the day that we record on this. Um you know, R- Russ, hard working, uh hard hard nosed, uh terrific kid, you know, was always uh, you know, Pleasure to to deal with. So he's uh, going to play at Western Carolina, and wish him the best. I'm not sure what Josh Corbin's going to be doing, but wish him uh, the best as well. But you know, it's just been interesting how Winthrop's been able to kind of, uh, you know, when you see four, five, six, maybe eight players going into the transfer portal, uh, Winthrop hasn't really had that um, had that issue yet. But as you said earlier, I mean. The way the transport portals going, it may not be a bad thing in the future if if guys are moving in and out. But I just did just wanna uh kinda uh wish those guys well and um they've been fun to watch in a winter uniform.
1: Yeah, thoughts and prayers.
0: Thoughts and prayers. All right. Well this has been the Bearded Carcast. You can Venmo Dave if you want us to keep going. Uh I'll give you my Venmo too. Uh but you can uh, email us bearded Carcast at Outlook dot com. Follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast, and uh, stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll probably do this again soon. We don't know when. It's it's beginning our our bearded Carcast off season, so we'll uh, we'll hop on as as, as situations dictate.